I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're tackling our first listener voicemail. It's about where the heck to start when your house to-do list is a mile long. We're also sharing a new tradition at home. And guess what? Our first house is for sale again. Hey, Sherry. Hello. What's new with you? What's new with me? Also applies to me. Also applies to you (laughs) as usual. That's the awkward part about this segment. It's usually impacting both of us. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't. Well, in episode nine, we talked about how I got to go back and see our second house. Perfect example of when it didn't affect me. I was not there. True, true. (laughs) Well, this one, I actually want to talk about our first house because a funny thing happened. It is for sale again. I know our beloved first house where we got married in the backyard, brought our baby home to. Yep. We got an email from the current owner that she's selling it. Um, she sent us the listing. She's doing it for sale by owner, just like we did. And she's actually not the person that we sold the house to. There has been another owner in between there. Actually, when we bought our current house around the same time, the people we sold our first house to sold the house to this current person that lives there who is now selling it again. So yes, it's proof that sort of in hindsight, it's a great starter house. It has one full bathroom. I was crazy when I thought I was going to live there forever. After I had one kid and we had people visiting, I was like, we need more than one full bathroom. But I think it's a really cute beginner house. And that explains why in the last, what is that, six years? Because in 2010, we sold it. We sold it in 2010. It's 2016. So yeah, once it sells this year, it will be on its third owner since us. Yes. So in six years, it will have changed hands three times. Yes. Wow. But it's cute. The the girl selling it was so sweet. She actually invited us back around a year ago to visit, right? She invited us over to see the house because we'd actually met her, I think, the year before she came to one of our book signings. And she was like, um, hey, small world, I I live in your house. Yeah, we were like, (laughs) no way. And I probably freaked you out because I was like, what's it like? Tell me all about it. So we got to go over and see that house. Last year, there's one picture we took at Instagram. Again, just like when we went to our second house, we didn't take a lot of photos. One cool story is that when we moved out, our daughter was seven months old. So there's no possible way in her baby mind she could really remember that house. I mean, I don't think you remember things when you were seven months old. And she ran in the house and ran right to her bedroom. We were like, that's weird. But I, when I truly think about it deeply, I don't think she could remember. I think it just was coincidence. Yeah. But it's a cute story. Yeah. And so we took no pictures of the inside, but we did take one picture of the outside, the backyard, with both of our kids in the yard. Because I just, there was something very poetic about being in the yard where we got married and seeing both of our children play back there. Because, you know, at seven months old, you're not really playing in the yard. So we never saw either of our kids play there and getting to bring our son there. And she even had a little dog who was like the stand-in yeah, for Parker. Yes, he was very cute. And she had left, I think, most of the paint colors the same. I think the paint colors had stayed largely the same through the owner we sold it to and then to her. The main change was that they used what we used as kind of like our den living room as a dining room. Yeah, at some point that had become a dining room. But then in the listing pictures, we noticed it's a living room again. So I don't know at what point it switched back. So that's what's new with me slash us. And what's new with me has more to do with me than you, honestly. It's true. This is a true Sherry's what's new. Is that we have instituted a new thing in our house that we affectionately call Beatles Sunday. And it is the most fun. My dad and I, one of our big bonding things is we listen to the Beatles growing up. And I know all these obscure songs. I've watched like Beatles movies. Like he's a real Beatles fan. And he's actually sick and he's in the hospital right now. And I just was thinking about him and the Beatles and how great our childhood was. And I was like, in a kind of a panic, had this realization that... 
The Beatles end with whatever generation stops passing them on. And my dad did such a good job sort of teaching me about the Beatles and I have this affection and love for their music. And I decided every Sunday in our house when we're hanging out in the kitchen, maybe coloring or playing with beads, I just put on the Beatles and I say, it's Beatles Sunday. Let's listen to some songs. And I think it has gone over amazingly well. Both of our kids seem to like the Beatles. And that's kind of surprising. Soon after, our daughter was like, let's have Michael Jackson Thursdays. Right, right. She came, she's like, do we Michael Jackson? And then I played her some and uh, she was kind of like, like, what is this? And she was like, let's not do Michael Jackson anymore. But the Beatles have stuck. And I'd say the favorite is definitely Yellow Submarine for obvious kid reasons. But there is appreciation for a lot of them. It makes my heart proud that I'm sort of passing along this tradition. And I think it's a fun, it's fun to create these routines or traditions in your home for your kids in that they're in a certain room or on a certain day something happens at home that makes them feel like there's this sort of fun thing that comes back around and can't have Christmas every week can't have you know like we're not opening (laughs) presents all the time but there is a certain excitement for Beatles Sunday like when it's not Sunday and it's Saturday there's like ooh, tomorrow's Beatles Sunday it's not necessarily just a Beatles thing if there's any music you kind of grew up listening to it might be fun to institute a day where you play it and maybe your kids will just like it too like new kids on the block Tuesday perfect NKTOB Menudo Wednesdays NKOTB Menudo Wednesdays is good Menudo Wednesdays well, sure. I thought next we should hit people with some updates. Push the update music. So this is a quick update to episode 10, in which we shared Sherry's perilous adventures shopping at Lowe's, where she smashed her fingers between some pavers. Remember, I had an embarrassing shopping incident that ended in the ER, and I said, I can't be the only one who had an embarrassing shopping slash ER moment. And it's true, you're not. I'm not. I I heard from other people, commiseration is a wonderful thing. I got a couple good ones on Twitter that I wanted to share. Um, They both sort of involve splinters. One is from Rachel, who said she had to go to the ER because she stepped on a toothpick and he got wedged in her foot like a giant splinter. <gasps> like he was standing up. I don't know, but she That's said- That's a magical toothpick. <laughs> she said she had to wear a hospital boot for a week. Ooh, So ouch. it was not really fun to explain. And the other splinter story comes from Catherine, who tweeted, Sorry about the finger. You aren't alone. I visited urgent care for a splinter in my tongue. The popsicle was delicious, though. <laughs> I feel like that's a popsicle lawsuit waiting to happen. That's a vicious popsicle. How did the stick get that sharp? They're like rounded. It, it must, must have, have had broken. a splinter in it. That's complicated. Yeah, popsicle It sounds problems. painful though. And I got an email from a girl named Colette who says, when Sherry talked about her ER trip from shopping, I couldn't help but relate. I was couch shopping at West Elm last year and I had the same fate. What I thought was my husband pulling out the chair for me to sit down at the consultation table ended up with me landing hard on my tailbone on the oh. concrete floor. <laughs> Turns out he was pulling the chair out for the sales lady (laughs) who took it right from under me. (laughs) Needless to say, I ended up with a trip to urgent care and a fractured tailbone. Ouch. And my husband, he was not my favorite person that day. Oh, he was trying to be such a gentleman. To the wrong lady. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to get like a discount on whatever they were buying. I'm sure he didn't mean to injure her. I feel terrible for her. So thank you for sharing, Colette. Oh, man. Well, if you guys have any other ER stories you want to share, you can tweet us or Instagram us. We're at Young House Love. Shall we move on to some what's not? Let's do it. So as most of you know, this is the part of the show where I quiz Sherry. I give her a category where some of the things are real, but one is fake. And she has to guess what's real and what's not. Are you ready for your category, Sherry? I am ready. This one is called FYI. 
For your information? Yes, but more specifically about the FYI network. Oh, okay. I'm very rusty on that channel. It's kind of like a TLC-ish. Right. Um, is they it have, like Lifetime? I don't think it's like Lifetime. <laughs> Lifetime so has the best TV show names. Well, this is about the names of shows on FYI. Okay. Because they are also amazing. Now. Okay, okay. There are several in the home category that are quite unique. So I'm going to give you five. One of them is fake. The one I'm not including is Nicole and Gianni's Shore Flip, which is about Snooki. <laughs> Flipping a house at the Jersey Shore. I want to watch that. I couldn't make that up. I feel like it's going to be all leopard, right? Uh, most likely. Okay. I and think maybe you, like pickles and glitter. I don't think you need to watch it to know how it turns out. And trucker hats. Maybe she's totally changed. Maybe I'm totally stereotyping her and it's classy and amazing. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, here we go. He shed, she shed. I feel like that's real. And I applaud. This is the slow clap for whoever came up with that title. It has to be real because everybody's talking about she sheds. My floating home. That's real, I think. Zombie house flipping. I feel like zombies are very in right now, but I'm not quite sure. I mean, I could see like my haunted house flip, like it's it has ghosts or it's haunted, but I don't know about some. Okay, that the jury's still out. I'll come back to it. Home at first sight. Home at first sight sounds real, but it also sounds like you could have planted it. And my city's just not that into me. Oh, that also could be you. My city's just not that into me. What would that show be about? Um, They're all the most intriguing to me except for Home at First Sight, which just sounds like a normal, like, go into a house and it's the first one you buy. I'm going to say Home at First Sight is fake. You are correct. Yay! That is the fake one. But I tried to plant it in some reality because there is a show on FYI called Married at First Sight. Oh, see, that is very intriguing to me. <laughs> I want to DVR that and the Snooki show. I also want to know what the heck the zombie show is. Okay, well, they're using zombie as a term for like a decrepit house, like a foreclosure that's really like uh, falling apart. You know, the kind of the zombie version of a house. I get it. It's a bit of a stretch because I want there to be actual zombies in it. I think they probably are capitalizing on the uh They the really are. And you were wondering what my city's just not that into me was about to. Apparently, it's when people have been priced out of the city they currently live in and a real estate expert helps them find a new city to call home. Oh, that's kind of sad, though. Kind of a bummer of a show. I'd much rather be watching Snuggy. <laughs> or zombies. <laughs> or zombies, yes. And what's my floating house? Is it boats? Yeah, it's just houseboats. Okay, because part of me was like, are these like sky float? Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, like, I are they it, UFO houses? I don't think houses? it's air floating. <laughs> I think it's water floating. Got it. Well, nice work, Sherry. Thank you. We got a listener question on our voicemail that we wanted to tackle. Okay, but before we play it, I think we should tell everyone about the funny, like, um, what is that called? That service oh, yeah. that it... So Google Voice is what we use for the voicemail box. And it actually transcribes the message yes, for us so we can see the the gist of what is being said. It's not perfect, but we can see the gist of the message without playing it. Right. And the funny thing is that you would not believe the amount of times that it thinks we're... Tom and Jerry. Yes. <laughs> Not John and Sherry, but Tom and Jerry, as in the cartoon cat and mouse. <laughs> so it's like, hey, Tom and Jerry, big fan here. <laughs> but this transcription actually got it right. So now we're going to play it for you guys, and then we're going to try and answer it. Hi, John and Sherry. This is Christy from Raleigh, North Carolina. I just moved into a new home, and I'm totally overwhelmed by all the things that I need to do to settle in. Uh, I know that there are a lot of things that are dependent on other things, like you should be choosing your fabrics before you choose your paint colors and not the other way around. Um, so I was wondering if you had any tips for a general order to follow when you're decorating your new home. Thanks so much. 
Perfect question, Christy. We are definitely going to do our best to answer this for you. But the first thing I'll say is I wish that there was a way to make a list for someone that said, follow this order with every room in your house and it will perfectly get you from A to B and you'll end up with a great result without any backtracking or second guessing. And it's the smartest order to do things in. That I think would be impossible. I wish I could do it because I'd like get a lot of repins with that printable. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think every room has different steps you have to go through. And sometimes- And every house has different challenges. So there's not a one size fits all answer to this. And I sometimes think that it really depends a lot on what you're keeping. A certain room, you might want to keep certain elements. In another, you'd be changing certain elements. So your steps would be completely different based on what's existing in your keeping and what you're redoing. Like your question suggested, I think it's really easy to get overwhelmed. And there certainly are things that in the proper order would make more sense. So what we like to do typically is called the list. Picture that big and bold. So when we move in, I feel crazy. Like I keep forgetting all the things I want to do. Like I'll be like, I want to paint. Oh, but I want to change the doorknobs first. Oh, so I should order the doorknobs before I paint the door so that once they're dry, I can put the knobs on, blah, blah, blah. The list is imperative because whether you type it out on a computer, use a special spreadsheet program, John and I are old school, we write it out on a big pad. So I'll take out a notebook and it will be pages and pages long and I will just write all the things. And I don't even categorize by room because it gets too sloppy. Well, yeah, and some of the things apply to several rooms, like your example of put new doorknobs on. That's like a whole house thing. So trying to categorize like by room right off the bat can be kind of frustrating. But again, the main exercise is getting your whole list out and written down. Once you do that, then you can sort it and figure out your action items. We sort of look at things in kind of three main categories. The first thing to do is identify the sort of the must do's, the things that impact your ability to live in the home safely and do basic functions. Like for instance, in the current house that we bought, like there was a hole in the roof. So like number one on the list was fix roof so that we weren't getting rain in the roof any longer. Other examples, like we needed a place to sleep. So like the first night we put our daughter's crib together, we put our bed together. So once you've identified all the musts, then you can move on to categorizing the low-hanging fruit. And those are probably obvious in description, but the low-hanging fruit are like sort of the, the fast or affordable or easy things you can do that will make big impacts on how you feel about the home and, and your comfort living there. Yeah, one of my favorite examples would be organizing something you use every day. For example, if your pantry annoys you, go to the dollar store, spend $5 for five baskets, and implement that. That's the perfect example of low-hanging fruit because it makes living in your house a little bit easier, and it's not hard on the budget or very time-intensive. And these things are different for everyone too. Like when we first moved into this house, one of the first things you did, Cherry, was like style a bookcase in our living room. You thought it was so weird. You just did not get it. And it it wasn't like, like, it wasn't like during the day when I should have been working. It was like John was sitting on the couch, like the recently assembled couch. And I was like, had this weird burst of second wind. And I just like putting a vase next to the books and standing the books up and sort of like grouping things by color and making things look nice. And well, I, it's something that brings you happiness in a house to have an organized, pretty moment. And right. so I think, I think you felt was, like you were, you were putting your stamp on this new place. It was like an example of my neuroticism. Where, well, that too. That too. <laughs> where the whole house felt out of control and I felt very, you know, like I was living in a space full of boxes and it gave me like a small moment of feeling in control when I organized that one corner. Yeah, but I think that's fine. I mean, I think that's the point of low-hanging fruit. There are things like you can check off in an evening, but they're like, even if they're just the tiniest of baby steps, that's worth doing. So- Once you start circling or highlighting whatever the low-hanging fruit things are, the other things that start to fall out of that are then those big projects, those things that are going to be much more time or cost intensive, you know, 
the bathroom renovation, the kitchen renovation, the recarpeting the upstairs, the things that are going to have to take a bit more planning and thought. And some of those you might figure out while staring at your list that there might be a smart order. Yeah, and in this house, we installed our new hardwood floors upstairs before we moved any furniture in. That was a big project putting in new floors, but we knew that should go first because it was just, I mean, it's obvious that that's easier than having to move everything out again. Right, and we've done it the other way. So I think the theme of this whole answer is like, we've done a lot of things a lot of different ways. There is a giant turkey buzzard that just landed on the shed. On the shed? Yes, you can't see it where you're sitting, but wow. It, I saw like full wings coming in. Is it still there? Um, I can't see it now either. Oh my gosh, it is still there. <laughs> Sorry, I was very distracted from I what you were like saying. I feel like this is an Instagram video. Did you get it? No, it flew away. Oh. It was huge though. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I would say it had the wingspan of like, me. It was one Sherry. It was, it was my wingspan. Okay. Um, and we're back. <laughs> we were saying the point is the big things won't necessarily happen after all the low hanging fruit. You may do some of those early, like we did the floors in our house before we did moving furniture, hanging things in the walls, yada, yada, yada. So those two categories might mix together. But the nice thing I think about sort of like bucketing the low hanging fruit in your head and bucketing it on the list, like you might want to highlight oh, yeah, all the low hanging fruit in yellow highlighter and all the big projects in pink highlighter. Or you know what? Type it on a computer like a person in 2016. <laughs> right. You could do that. <laughs> but I like the low hanging fruit stuff because even though it is, you know, fast or easy or affordable, sometimes those things make really meaningful progress, especially as you keep doing more of them. Like if it's get new bedding or hang curtains, like those are things that only take an afternoon or so. But they really can add a lot towards feeling like you're comfortable in the house, like you can kick your feet up at the end of the day and like it looks like you. Right. And I would caution against doing the big projects first. I know those are the ones that scream at you on the list, right? Like, but my cautionary tale is when you redo a room before you are certain about the layout or the materials, you can get it wrong. And then you are really mad that you were so hasty. Um, a perfect example would be that in our first house, we didn't redo our kitchen for over a year of living there. We did some stopgap, like phase one stuff. Painted the cabinets. Right, we put some like peel and stick tile that we liked a little better down. Nothing very expensive. And we still kept the blue laminate countertops. <laughs> That's right. But had we not lived in that house for a while, we never would have realized that we could close off a door that was in that room and gain twice as much cabinet space. So we got tons more storage, tons more surface area. It made it infinitely more functional. And when we moved in, if we had redone the kitchen, we just would have kept the exact same footprint, but got nicer materials, like a nicer countertop. So it was nice to live there a while and figure it out. So the way you'll know you're ready to do one of those bigger items on the list would be you have the funds and you have the time and you know what you want to do. I would argue you may not have the time. Right, time that's is, true. Time is, that's a, a, you know. You never feel like you have time to have a baby or do a renovation. I never feel like I have all this spare time to renovate, but you feel like you can fit it in somehow. Right, you're kind of ready to start. Well, and this kind of gets into what we call phase one, which we've talked about on the blog before. I don't think we should go into that rabbit hole in this episode right now, but I'll be sure to put a link to a, our blog post about it in the show notes, and maybe we'll tack it on a future episode. But it's this idea of doing a little renovation first to hold you over till you can do the big renovation later. Exactly. Another thing that's helpful with order, especially when you're tackling one of those bigger projects, and you might not be that familiar with what should come first is to look at the list and there might be some things that are very clear. Like if you want to install a heated floor, you should know that you have to remove the old floor, then install the heated floor, and then tile over that. That should be fairly obvious. 
Other things, a tip might be to talk to your subs. If you're hiring a plumber or an electrician to do something, an example would be, we moved our washer and dryer. And in relocating them, I didn't know if the plumber should get in there first or if the electrician should get in there first. And in talking to the plumber and the electrician, they both said the same thing to me. They said plumbing first because it's much easier to put a wire around a plumbing pipe and it's much harder to get a plumbing pipe around a wire that was put in there first. So in any case where you're not sure, of course, there's YouTube and Google, but there's also just talking to whoever you're hiring and having them help you outline the order for these bigger projects. So to wrap this up, we think the list is super important, getting all your thoughts out there, all the things you want to do, even the crazy extravagant things that might happen two decades down the line. Get it on a list so you've got it somewhere so you can yeah, help Yeah, my sort. hot tub TV room is on there. Yes, it is. Uh, but you know, break it into those categories, the must-haves, the things that have to happen first, then your low-hanging fruit, the things that are fast, cheap, or easy to do, and then uh, your third category being the bigger projects. That will help you think about what order fits best for your home and the challenges you have, the things that you are bringing into your home, like your your existing furniture, your budget, and your goals for how the house looks. So again, it's different for every person. And I also think, Christy, you might have been asking about a specific order for specific rooms. Like in a living room, is there something you should do first? Like, should I buy the rug first? One helpful thing for us has definitely been to find the big inspiration item and use that as a springboard. Yeah, start with the thing you love the most. Right. So if you have a sofa and a chair that you know you're going to use and you like them, keep them in the room. If you have a weird end table that you're not going to keep forever, it might help visually to remove that from the room so you're not basing decisions on seeing that and calculating that item that's like the color or finish that you don't like into your choices. Not even remove it forever if it's functional. Just take it out and take a picture of the room. And then when you go hunting for a rug or curtains, you see the room as it will be without the eyesore or without the thing that you're never going to work around that you're going to replace. So once you have the things in the room you're going to keep and you take a picture... Then I would go hunt for that inspiration or springboard piece. In a lot of cases for us, it has been a rug. I think the reasoning for that is if you find a rug you love, but you've already painted the walls or chosen the curtains or done a lot of accessorizing, the rug might not fit into the room. It also would be for a bedroom, maybe bedding or curtains before the wall paint and the accessories, just because the bigger items like a rug or curtains or bedding inform the smaller items like, you know, art and accessories. I feel like more and more... I'm leaning towards paint being one of the later things that happens in a space because I think there's this... That's funny because I'm leaning towards paint being okay to do twice. Well, I think it's kind of the same thought, I guess. Because there's this inclination like you, for logistical reasons, should paint first because it's easy before you have stuff in there. But I think, and one of the reasons maybe why we do paint twice a lot, is because... It's once you get everything in, you've made the other decisions about the rug and the furniture and the table and the lights and the accessories and all and the art and all that stuff that it becomes very clear what's the right paint color to complement all that. But I think it could be argued it could go either way because I I'm think thinking so. of like our living room was like salmon, like the color of the belly of a whale is yeah. how we described it. And I think it would have been really hard to see how the room was coming together with that salmon. It reflected on everything. It was really impossible to pick like a good rug or good furnishings when the wall color was so different from what we were looking for. Yes, that's and true. And so I think neutralizing it was a smart choice. That's a good point. Because it helped the room start to come together. And right. then it was sort of like a finishing tweak to lighten it up we went from like a tan color to a white color because we wanted blue on the ceiling okay maybe i should revise my pitch to say (laughs) you should be open to repainting because i think you're right we wouldn't have picked the things in here had we been trying to work around that salmon red color 
You said you were overwhelmed, Christy. It's overwhelming. I think there's no way around that, especially when you've moved into a new house. We were overwhelmed, but that list is really helpful in feeling like you have some control on it and just being able to move forward and cross some things off, even if they are the easy, low-hanging fruit, you'll feel like you have some momentum and that you're making progress, even if it's small. Yeah, I think when you stagnate, sometimes that's when you start feeling really down on yourself and saying like, well, I have no money to do anything. But guaranteed, if you look at your list, there should be things like organize the linen closet or pare down the things in the garage. And you never realize how quickly those things feel like accomplishment, even though you didn't spend any money. Because momentum really is the key in all of this. And give yourself permission to screw up. Because you will not get the order right. You will have to go back and redo some things or change some things. And that's just okay. That's just how it goes. That's I think a lot of the overwhelming comes from feeling like you have to get the order right. So if you've got a question for us, a decorating DIY question you want us to tackle on a future episode, give us a ring and leave us a voicemail. That phone number is area code 571-4YHLHAP. Again, 571-494-5427. Now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the podcast, the game. What? Oh. Just kidding. (laughs) Hey, that's mean. (laughs) I know you love the games. No, um, we're digging. It's my favorite part. It's surprisingly hard every week to think of something you like enough to tell everyone that you like it. I'm really digging today's We're Digging. Are you digging your We're Digging? Well, yeah, I was going to say, my We're Digging is like maybe 70% I'm digging. It's this extension for Chrome. You know how like blogs have like plugins or you have apps on your phone? Uh, An extension for my web browser, my Google Chrome browser. It's like the pin it button for Pinterest. Yeah, like if you have a pin it button for your Pinterest that goes like in your menu bar. This is a Chrome extension called Honey. What it is supposed to do, and this is why I like it, I like the intention of it, is that you install it, it's free, and it automatically, when you're on any checkout page, like for when you're doing online shopping, it is supposed to automatically scan through coupon codes for like discounts or free shipping or whatever. And, you know, kind of takes out the work of going to a site like Retail Me Not, because I guess background for this. Usually whenever we are online shopping, before we check out, I will put in the retailer's name in my Google search and with the word like coupon behind right. it. So like so potty barn like, coupon. Exactly. And it always comes up retail me not. And my beef with it sometimes is that they'll be like, oh, we found three coupons. But the coupons aren't actual codes to apply the at sales. checkout. Yeah, they're like all lighting 20% off. Yeah. But like when I'm on potterybarn.com, I already know they're having a lighting sale. So the, there's not an extra coupon right. to be had. And so we typically do that step. Sometimes I forget, but this Honey extension is meant to cut that out. It does it for you automatically. When you're on the checkout, it will do a little like pop-up that says, hey, Honey has some codes. You want to try them. And you just press a button. You can see it kind of like churn through. And I'm like, who you calling Honey? <laughs> I was like, go for it, Honey. <laughs> so I love the idea of it. The problem is it hasn't actually found any workable codes for me yet. So What do the reviews say? Well, so I, I Googled that because I was like, I'm not going to mention that on the podcast if it's like everyone hates it or if Doesn't I'm just it using like it wrong. it have like a five-star review though? So it on must the Chrome browser like the Chrome page or whatever where you download it from, it has lots of reviews. It has like four-star reviews, people saying that they saved this much or whatever, like. So it's working for some people. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm just not shopping at the right places. I'll say the place that it has been helpful for me has seemed to be Amazon because it has popped up and told me whether or not I found the lowest price. Because you know how sometimes on Amazon, the same item is sold by multiple people. Right. And sometimes it's cheaper. And it even, in one instance where I checked out, 
the list price of the item was more expensive, but they were offering free shipping. And so the total price was cheaper. Oh, so that's really nice. Honestly, if that's all Honey did, I would be into it. And I think Amazon does some of this naturally. Like you'll see like other prices listed below, but I never noticed it. The sort of pop-up thing like kind of helps me in this case. So I would be curious to know if anyone out there listening has used the Honey Chrome extension and has any tips or other experience with it. Again, I love the idea of it because it saves me that step of going and Googling for coupon codes. But I wonder if it only can be as good as the promotions being run. So like if West Elm doesn't have a coupon code and right. you're shopping on West Elm, you can't get mad at Honey. Right. Anyways, what are you digging? Your, your full-on dig. I'm a full-on dig this week. I am obsessed with this product. They're called Native Shoes. The way I discovered them is like half my friends had their kids in these cool rubber shoes with little holes for ventilation. And I kept saying like, what are those? And everyone was They're like- They're not Crocs. No, they're sort of like the streamlined version of Crocs. So they don't have like the thicker heel and the clog proportion. They have like (laughs) more of a sneaker proportion. Are you telling me there's a more stylish shoe option than a Croc? (laughs) These are very cute, I think, especially for kids. They do sell them for adults. The jury's still out whether I think they're cool for adults because I've never seen them in real life on an adult. But they're on Amazon. If you search native shoes, I'll put a link to them in the show notes to the ones I get the kids because there's a variety of different styles. The ones I like have these ventilation holes and I get them in the gray color. They're just a a nice generic color that matches everything because I've made sort of two realizations about kids' shoes. Number one, Summer shoes for the kids are always a challenge for me because our oldest who's six will wear a flip-flop, but our youngest who's two will not put anything between his toes quite yet. And in Richmond, lots of things have water. So like we're at the river or we're going to the beach or we're like going- the pop jet fountain at the exactly. park, the mall or whatever. We're always encountering things that are wet and it's too hot for sneakers with socks. And our kids, they need to wear a sock or the shoe gets like sweaty and gross. So nobody wants to put a sock on in 100 degrees. So these rubber shoes with ventilation holes are both waterproof and also have nothing to do with socks. Like we don't take socks out in the summer anymore because of these shoes and I love them. And the color realization has been new to me too because I think for a long time we got things like, there's a blue option. Our son has lots of blue shirts. Let's get the blue shoes. And oh, there's pink glitter. We were owners of pink Crocs for quite a while. Right. She had like pink Crocs and then I think she had some navy blue and we also did like this bright yellow. But the more I figured out shoes with the kids, the more I realized their clothes are colorful. And sometimes a gray shoe or like a brown shoe is the best because it matches a lot more things. And a I neutral think- shoe. It allows us to act- also pass them on because they are not gender specific. Right. Well, the weird thing is when I did it, I was like, is our daughter going to be mad we didn't get her like gold ones? But when they came, she loved that they match her brothers. Like they're both gray, but they're obviously so different in size that we don't confuse them because two-year-old feet and six-year-old feet are very different in size. And um, it has been sort of an awakening in that I can buy one pair of shoes. Awakening. It is, it is freedom. I feel like spinning around like I'm in a, a feminine hygiene commercial in a white dress because I finally am not dealing with kids complaining about putting their socks on, wearing shoes without them. They're getting stinky. I've like solved the summer shoe issue in our house. I think they're around $30 depending on the color and the size. And I want to hear from grown-ups. If any guys or girls wear them as grown-ups, Tell me how you like them because I can't decide if you'd feel like you're like wearing a jelly and you're like <laughs> back in the 90s. And can we just go back to the fact that your epitome of an awakening is a girl in a feminine hygiene commercial swirling around in a white dress? Is there anything more free? <laughs> I ask you, John Petersick. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And heads up, next week we've got another special episode coming your way. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever else you listen so you automatically get new episodes right to your device. We'd also love a rating or review while you're there. 
And keep tagging us at Young House Love on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest to tell us what you're doing while you listen. Batch Pastries on Instagram frosted 1,600 black and white cookies while listening last week. Wow. And check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Like some other posts we've written about where to start, why phase one isn't a waste of money and time, and some of our own house to-do lists. Later. Bye.